This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 334, Comic Talk Spotlight on Marvel Masterworks with John Rhett Thomas. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 334. It's our Comic Talk Spotlight on the Marvel Masterworks with John Rhett Thomas. Uh, for this today's episode, from uh, this is actually from a listener request from a listener, Danzig, from the HC Realms Forum. He had asked recently uh, some questions about the Marvel Masterworks line that Marvel Comics has. It's uh, basically a high-end um, line of hardcovers reprinting typically Silver Age, now into the Bronze Age, and also um, uh, Golden Age comics from Marvel uh, throughout the years. Um, so he'd asked me some questions about the line, its history, etc. So I thought a way of kind of going through it was to go not quite to the source. We tried to get to the source itself. Uh, Corey Saddlemeyer is uh, actually the head of the current Marvel Masterworks program for Marvel. We're still working on scheduling for an episode uh, to sit down with him in either March, April, May. He's a very busy guy, as you can imagine, working on these collections. Uh, So we went to um, the creator of the Marvel Masterworks uh, forum and board, um, and also website. It's a great resource for those who wanted to kind of learn more about the Marvel Masterworks program, um, see a lot of information on the different print lines that have been done throughout the years. And it was in this episode, we talked with John. Um, he's also done some freelance work with Marvel. He's worked on the Marvel Spotlight uh, comics that were coming out, I think, around 2007 to 2010, 11, um, which were a brand of books that were kind of like the old Marvel Age books where Marvel would kind of promote upcoming uh, events like Secret Invasion or secret uh, certain anniversaries, and he would kind of put together these, this package. So um, as I mentioned in the upcoming interview, I that's where I kind of first learned John Wright Thomas's name. It wasn't until literally a couple weeks before this interview that I, I finally t- discovered that Gormu, uh, which is the name of the moderator um, of the Marvel Masterworks forum, it was actually John Red Thomas. And then I kind of put those things together and things started to make a lot more sense. Um, so for this episode, we talk about Marvel Masterworks. We talk about the Marvel Masterworks forum, how long it's been around. Um, and also we, we get some kind of some fun tidbits or just what goes into the Marvel Masterworks program, um, how they create the books, a little bit of an idea of the process in terms of uh, the high-grade reproductions that you will probably never find a better version of a lot of these reprints than in the Marvel Masterworks line. So it's a great episode. It was a lot of fun sitting down with John. Uh, so that's coming up in just a moment. First, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, this is our first episode of the New Year, so Happy New Year. It's 2016. Hopefully we'll have a lot of good episodes coming away this year. If you want to email us, you can always do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. So finally, without further ado, we'll get right into the episode with John Rhett Thomas. So John, thanks uh, for joining us on the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully. Thank you. Now, for those who um, know of you from the Marvel Masterworks forums, how did you come to become known as Gormu? (laughs) Yeah, Gormu. That's hilarious. That's, um, That's my board handle. Um, I chose that because, uh, when I, when I started the message board and when I started my website, um, was about the year 2000, 2001, I had only recently come back into comics. I had been out of comics for basically the whole nineties and, um, had only started rereading them, um, you know, about 1999, 2000. And, um, 
So when the idea of starting up a website came to me, um, I knew I wanted to maintain my anonymity because I prized that um, back then, and to some extent I still do now. <laughs> but uh, so I had to come up with a with a name. And um, the one thing I always loved in, in Marvel uh, lore uh, was the, the the giant monsters of the Atlas era of the late fifties and early sixties, and. Um, I came to that love actually through a comic from the '80s, which was a an issue of Fantastic Four by John Byrne, uh, where he introduced a sort of a uh, a long lost monster named Gormu uh, that was in a sort of a flashback tale with Reed Richards, <clears throat> Mr. Fantastic fighting Gormu, <laughs> and that comic stuck with me. Uh, the, the image of that giant green monster stuck with me, and I. And the rare occasions where I could find some of the classic monsters in the comics. I just loved that stuff. Loved mm-hmm. it all. And uh, and so, yeah, the name stuck with me. The name, and, and so that's the name I came up with for my board handle, uh, was Gormir. So, I don't know why, it just crept out of the id. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the Marvel Masterworks. So I've had listener questions before, because I've mentioned the Marvel Masterworks as a line. I've had some listeners who've started to kind of approach getting into collecting the line. So I thought we'd talk about kind of the history of the line and, and then kind of segue into your own history with the line and obviously with the Marvel Masterworks Forum. So where did yeah. the Marvel Masterworks really come from? Well, the Masterworks, um, ironically, came from uh, a need, uh, budgetary needs. <laughs> At least that's what I've heard. The, the rumor on the vine is that uh, in the, the late 80s, the first uh, Masterworks were in 1987. Uh, they needed to they they needed to make a lot of money and they needed to make a lot of money quick, so they didn't have time to put um, a bunch of uh, comic books that cost you know a dollar fifty on the um, on the schedule. They needed to to really size up real quick to make up for a few budget shortfalls. And Tom DeFalco, God love him, uh, was the guy who um, sort of conceptualized the concept you know of of Marvel Masterworks, and uh, and that was uh, hardcover, high end books with a high price point, um, reprinting the classic uh, comic books, which were um, pretty much unaffordable to all but the most wealthy comics fans at the time, and uh, and of course this high end product was priced at I think the first list price of the Masterworks was was thirty dollars, so. But of course, back then that was big money. In 1987, thirty bucks for a, for a book was oh, for a lot sure. of money. Oh yeah, and that's where the line started. Um, they started with three volumes: um, the Avengers, the X Men, not the Avengers. I'm sorry, scratch that. Uh, X Men, Fantastic Four, and Amazing Spider Man. And um, I think they were very successful because the following year they uh, they added four new books to the line. And they just kept going from there, and um, and now flash forward to today, and we have uh, we're well over two hundred volumes in the Masterworks line. Do you own them all? Um, yes and no. Um, I own uh, there. There was a period of time where I sort of got lazy and uh, and spent money on things like bills and other things like that, <laughs> and I fell behind a little bit. And uh, one thing Masterworks fans have learned recently is you don't snooze or you lose. And um, and there were a few books that have fallen out of print, but I have I, I'm I'm only missing two of them. 
and uh, and I, I have a line on one of them, which is rather expensive. But I have a line on a cheap one. I don't want to say what they are because that'll start a stampede to uh, to drive up the prices on those <laughs> particular volumes. But once I have those two, yes, I will have all of them. Now Maybe. I guess that brings up the question too: is that obviously there have been multiple print runs for certain volumes. Now, what uh, one of the questions that some of the listeners had was, you know, what kind of led to the different color dust jackets, or is there a significance to the different colors? Uh, the different colors for the individual uh, volumes? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the original idea was to make them look really classy. And so they had these um, marble, what, what are now called the marble uh, variants. But in the beginning, they weren't variants. They were the default cover. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's the... Uh, very uh, iconic look now of the Masterworks is uh, the original Masterworks is the comic book cover set in a frame surrounded by a design that looks sort of a, has a marble uh, look to it. And um, interestingly, those early volumes had a very similar uh, color tone to them. Only later did they think to really um, delineate between the different lines within the commonly sequenced numbered volumes so that they would stand out on the shelf. So to, to elaborate on what I'm saying, which is overly confusing, the original <laughs> line of Masterworks started with number one, which is Amazing Spider-Man. Number two was Fantastic Four. And number three was, um, was X-Men. And so they carried on with that numbering. But down the line, they wanted to um, you know, make sure that if you wanted all the Daredevil volumes, that you would know that the Daredevil volumes were the, you know, nice shiny red ones compared to the Hulk, which were the shiny green ones and so on. So they created the different colors to sort of distinguish the different lines um, of the, uh, of the master characters. So now, if that doesn't make any sense, then uh, good luck. I think it makes sense. Um, now a question that kind of came up as well. Uh, I think this was one of the listener questions was um, with you having almost all the volumes, do you have multiple versions of each of the of the printings? Or I do, I do. I um, I have all the original printings, what are what are called the original twenty seven, which was um, Masterworks produced twenty seven unique volumes before they ended the series. I think it was nineteen ninety three was the last of that first stage of volumes. So I have all 27 of those in the original printings, plus the second and third printings of those books. I did set out to collect those, and I, I did it. I did it not because I'm some weirdo collector, um, although I guess I am a weirdo collector. But I did it because you know I wanted to know the differences so I could highlight them to people who were. Uh, coming to my website and blog. I wanted to make sure I had that information on hand. I'm actually missing two of them. I don't have all of them. I, I'm missing two, I think it's two third prints of um, the Avengers and the X-Men. I think those are the two that I'm still lacking. And they're very difficult to, to find. So uh, hopefully somebody can help me help me find those. I'll publicize that maybe on my message board uh, later that I'm still looking for those. But yeah, um, I do have all of them. And I also have... The revival masterworks from the late 90s, uh, Marvel started bringing all the old masterworks back into print, but this time um, with a really wild and wonderful and colorful um, dust jacket designed by Comicraft. Oh. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen those, you really need to see what those look like. I think there were about 10 of them, um, and um, 
and those are those stand out from any other masterworks you'll ever see. They're pretty crazy looking, and I have those as well. And then in 2003, Marvel started to to bring them all back into print again, but this time in a, a more uniform uh, presentation, which is commonly referred to now as the silver and black editions, which we have to this day. So, um, and I don't have all of those. I will say that right now. <laughs> okay. Um, now I have a question as well. I, I know at some point they started bringing the masterworks into a, a paperback format. Did you collect those as well, or did you leave yeah, those really. alone? Uh, a few of them. Uh, sometimes Marvel would send me one, um, and uh, you know, and they look great. Um, and uh, but I, I, did, I didn't collect any any of the the soft covers. Now, just I'm the hardcover guy. So now, for those who, again who don't again are, are new to the concept of the masterworks, what really is? I mean, obviously it's a, it's a high end book. What makes it this high end book? What what goes into creating a masterwork that sets it apart from a regular trade paperback? Well, for one thing, the masterworks are hardcover. That's the primary default thing with masterworks is that they their original genesis was as hardcovers. <clears throat> and for uh, comics collectors, hardcover book uh, you know denotes you know luxury and it's 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 a sturdiness and durability. <clears throat> um, the other thing is um, is the uh, care and attention that is put into the restoration, and um, you know the comic books uh, uh, have to look really good, and all of that goes down to the editor of the books, which is uh, a guy by the name of Corey Settlemeyer, who. Uh, you know, his, you know, it's too bad you can't talk to him because he would be able to talk a lot more about this kind of stuff expertly than I. We um, actually are hoping to have him on the show in a couple months. That's great. And he can take you down into the, the nitty-gritty on, on the production of these books. Um, but basically, he's the guy who um, has raised the standards to what they are now. And he'll be the first to tell you that he's come a long way. And when he was supervising the line in 2004... He was still sort of new to the whole thing, but um, he has slowly uh, built a crew of, uh, of people that help restore these books um, through line restoration and through coloring that are, that are really the industry standard. And I, I really – I don't think there's anybody better, and that's not just bragging because I run a masterwork site and, and I'm proud of these books, but th- there really is no better uh, – out there for this type of uh, comic book experience than the than Corey and the crew he's put together for Masterworks. It's really amazing. So those are the those are the things that really separate Masterworks from your average collected edition. Now you kind of mentioned this before the idea that uh, if you snooze you lose and these books quickly go out of print and become very expensive. What do you think that kind of comes down to that? Like why are these books hard to find why why what is up with the crazy secondary market because the secondary market does seem to be pretty nuts when it comes to these marvel masterworks yeah i think you have to look at it uh in a macro way uh look at the whole continuum of things you know there was a time when um you know when these books were very common and then um and i remember when i first got the idea to start my website it was in the late 90s and i was um looking on ebay to actually sell my masterworks um i had no intentions of continuing reading comics and i saw what they were going for on ebay which was a lot of money and then 
very quickly, I said, well, you know what? Maybe I don't want to sell them. Maybe I want to start buying them. So then I started hunting for them. And, um, and then Marvel started reissuing them. And then for a while, you know, the, the prices came down quite a bit. But then I think people, so many people have flooded into the hobby to buy these books because the original comics are, are, are also prohibitively expensive. And I think people have bought into the Masterworks as a way to experience these comic books in a way that's unparalleled. You can read them from start to whatever end point you want. You can read all of them through the Masterworks, and they're going to look better than ever. And I think a lot of people have adopted the line because of that. And so you, so, some of these people who come in late are having to go back now and buy all the books that have gone out of print. And so now there's a competition there for this scarce resource of these print runs, which sometimes there's only one print run for these books. And, uh, and so if you didn't buy it the first time around, there may not be a second time for the Masterworks. And so, uh, yeah, it, it has set up sort of a Darwinian you know, <laughs> thing where uh, if, you're not, if you're not ready to, uh, to, uh, to keep up with the big dogs, you're going you're gonna to fall back in the race, you know. So I'm just glad I was in it from the beginning. <laughs> now we we've danced around it, but let's let's talk about your website. Where did the where did the Marvel Masterworks forum come from? Well, the forum actually came second. The website came first, and the website um, actually the genesis of the website had nothing to do with comic books at all. Um, I remember thinking to myself how fun it would be to start a website in like 2000. Um, I was internet I, I had adopted it later than a lot of people um and i thought websites were um it was and they had these you know default programs where you could build a website and i said well i need to think about so i decided if i was going to start a website i needed it to be about something and it just so happened that at that time was when i had just gotten back into comics and i was doing research on my masterworks to sell them to see which ones were really rare and which ones, you know, how much I could get for them. When I realized there was very little information on the internet about the masterworks. And so I said, well, you know, there ought to be a website that, that helps people like me, you know? And so, um, so that's where I started the website and I, on my own, you know, on my own, I went out to, to hunt down information on these books um, I compiled information from my own collection, and then that's what triggered my desire to actually buy more Masterworks. And uh, so I started buying them off eBay, and and uh, and I and my website was also sort of reaching out to fellow fans for information, and also to agitate for new books. And uh, and that's how the website started. It was very humble and very very. It had a very narrow uh, idea behind it, but. What I found within three to four months was that I had dozens and dozens and then into the hundreds of people that were contacting me and were excited and enthusiastic about Masterworks. And, uh, and that's what really started the ball rolling towards uh, starting a message board uh, because I needed a way to facilitate communication <laughs> with all these people mm -hmm. from all over the world. <clears throat> and so that's why I started uh, the message board. When did, you, when did you start um, covering kind of other formats? Because obviously, I mean, on the main Marvel Masterworks resource page, you do talk about other hardcover series yeah. like the DC Archives. How did this kind of outgrowth happen? Well, I, actually, um, 
it's it's it started with my general tendency to really like hardcover books and to build a hardcover library of reprints. And at the time, um, there weren't a lot. Um, Marvel had just started its uh, sort of uh, emergence as the Joe Quesada, Bill Jemis regime. <clears throat> and at the time, they really didn't like they didn't really like to play up their history so much. We were lucky to get the masterworks we did at that time, but slowly they started to come around and, and put, put out some um, reprints and start to organize their strategy for reprinting material. It, it mainly focused on new material like ultimate Spider-Man. And I remember the first ultimate Spider-Man hardcover came out. It was, it was awesome. And I, I didn't even read ultimate Spider-Man, but they put out an oversized hardcover that was in my mind affordable I think it was $30, uh, $35 or whatever. It was this big oversized book and I, I bought it and was just wowed by it. And, um, and they put out a few other ones, um, at the time. Um, and you know, I was into it and I loved, I loved the idea of hardcover reprints of classic comic books and, and current comic books. And I thought that was an idea whose time was well past, uh, arrival. And so I wanted to, sort of focus on that. And so my, my Masterworks website quickly adopted other Marvel hardcovers. And then it, frankly, adopted uh, DC, <laughs> which made for some awkward branding with Marvel Masterworks covering the DC comic scene. But that's what it quickly turned into because the demand was there. So. Okay. Um, now, how did you come to be more involved with Marvel itself? Well, that was... Um, that sort of came around through just natural... Uh, evolution of, uh, of what I was doing with the website um, and I was active on other message boards, I was active on my message board, I was active on the official DC boards at the time and I was active on Joe Quesada's board and um, I just enjoyed talking about comics, I was excited to be back in the hobby excited to be reading what I thought was really good new material and I was excited to sort of be uh, enjoying you know the uh, classic comics that I enjoyed as a kid with hundreds of, uh, of people um, that from around the world. It was really exciting. And I think the enthusiasm that I carried into how I handled myself in those forums and on my, on my website sort of got the attention of Marvel. I know that, you know, I was in constant touch with, uh, with the editors at Marvel and at DC. Uh, the first was actually Bob Greenberger, who, uh, who was at Marvel and was the original uh, liaison I had with Marvel and the Masterworks. And Bob was very gracious and very wonderful in dealing with me and talking to me on and off the record about about the program. <clears throat> and then Bob went to D.C. and, um, and our relationship uh, continued there at, at D.C. And, um, and then when Marvel, his replacements at Marvel were, uh, was Corey Settlemeyer with the Masterworks, Corey and I would talk uh, through email and, and such. Whenever, whenever there was information that needed to be parsed out about the masterworks, they would come to me uh, to get the word out. And uh, soon after, uh, Corey and I developed a relationship. Uh, David Gabriel and I developed a relationship. And David is um, is was at the time Marvel's uh, director of sales, and he's now uh, you know senior vice president of sales. Um, he's still with Marvel and Corey's still with Marvel. Um, and David was a huge champion of the Masterworks too. And David, uh, 
David, I think David and I started talking about when the Golden Age initiative started, the Golden Age comics of Captain America and uh, original Marvel comics. And uh, it was just through those kinds of, uh, you know, emails, they, they, grew, they had uh, confidence in me as sort of a comic nerd with a expansive uh, understanding of comics and, and comics history, but it was also relatable to them and understood, you know, where they were coming from. So that when, uh, when the time came to launch uh, certain types of promotional stuff with Marvel, which was the original concept was the Marvel Spotlight uh, book, which was a revival of the Mar- Marvel Age concept, um, they came to me to ask if I wanted to help uh, spearhead that. Um, and that's where the relationship uh, with Marvel began. Uh, that was the latter part of 2005. It's funny when um, I uh, originally had asked uh, on the Marvel on your forum um, who should who should I get to talk about the Marvel Masterworks, and someone mentioned uh, sent me an email saying you should talk to Gormu, and then he said what your actual name was, and then I put the pieces together because I remembered reading those spotlights. I remembered seeing your name all the time. But had, but had yeah, but had never put it together that that was you. And I was like, oh wait, hold on. So that kind of reshaped my entire understanding of the board because I'm like, well, hold on, this is this is someone whose work I actually read and I know. So that definitely kind of changed things when coming into this interview. I'm like, okay, now I know a little bit more about this. This mythical Gormu is a real <laughs> flesh and blood person who I've actually read his work. Yeah. Hey. All right. <laughs> You can join my mother now, <laughs> having read my work. It's wonderful. Thank you. It's a great fan club. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to turn it over to some uh, listener, well, uh, I should say um, forum members' questions, because there was a lot of them. I put out a, an open call, and um, you're, you're, the people who are on your message board are very interested in hearing more about you. Um, so I have got a lot of quick questions we're going to run through together. Okay. And we'll try to be as respectful of your time as possible. Uh, so first question, uh, actually there's a bunch of questions that first came from us, came to us, sorry, from Comics Ate My Brain, who asks first, how far in advance of the regular board members do you know the Marvel Masterworks releases? Uh, by the way, uh, it's great to hear these questions from these guys. You know, a lot of these guys I've never met in person. A lot of them I have, actually. Um, but a lot I have not. And uh, But, uh, you know, Comics Ate My Brain... That's how I know this guy is that name. <laughs> that name. <laughs> and I've known him for like so long. It's like, you know, it's hilarious. We're sitting here talking about this, uh, just real casual. And it's this guy named Comics Ate My Brain we're talking about. So, yeah. So, Comics Ate My Brain. Thank you for your question. Uh, what was it again? <laughs> it was uh, how far in advance of the regular board members do you know the Marvel Masterworks releases? Well, I, I know I'm pretty, pretty far in advance in comparison. Um, not as far as Corey, though. Corey's it, it begins with Corey, and it begins with uh, it begins with what he wants to do with uh, the schedule. It also goes back to what Marvel Marvel has, you know, some needs they have with the schedule. You know, it goes back to that, and then once they sort of work through that, I hear, you know, Corey will sometimes come to me and ask my opinion on things, you know, and I. I I'm not shy about giving my opinion. <laughs> and uh, for instance, I'm I'm always banging the drum for uh, more Uncanny X Men Masterworks, and uh, Corey's always laughing at me and heckling me. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but you know, I, I I know about it. You know, I can't give a specific time, but yeah, we do we do talk about it. Um, 
many months before maybe the information will, will officially come out. But um, some, but that's also a lot of that sometimes is subject to change. You know, things are fluid um, at Marvel, and you know, just because something might be talked about um, on one day doesn't mean a few months down the line certain things will change. So. Mm. Uh, next question from again, still from Comics Ate My Brain because he had a lot. Um, are you working on any projects for Marvel that you can currently talk about? Yeah, right now, actually, um, finishing up work on a. 75th anniversary of Captain America magazine. And I think the solicit for that just, just went out. Um, and that, that comes out a, a week or two before the movie, the Civil War movie. And so uh, that's, uh, that's what I'm working on right now. So I'm actually going to jump ahead from uh, Comics Ate My Brain because I actually had a, a good question that dovetails into this from uh, Shatsy. Uh, who asked, in the upcoming Captain America 75th Anniversary magazine, what kind of features of Mark Grunewald's cap run can we expect? Aha! Uh, good to hear from you, Shotzi. Shotzi is one of the very first members of my website, going way back. And uh, it's a shame I haven't met Shotzi yet. I'm looking forward to that one day. Um, to answer his question, um, the Grunewald piece will be the centerpiece of, of, of the book. Um, uh, it was put together by Jess Harold, who uh, is uh, another contributor to my boards. He actually makes all those awesome banners. He doesn't post a lot because that guy is so busy <laughs> with his regular life and with doing stuff for me with Marvel. But um, the piece he put together is amazing. Um, we talk with Mark's uh, widow and his daughter, and they go in depth into uh, into what made Mark, you know. Um, arguably the uh, the greatest Captain America writer ever, you know. So that's that's definitely a centerpiece uh, of the book. So I'm looking forward to that one coming out. People getting to read that one. Okay. Uh, back to comics. Ate my brain. He asks, "What is your day job?" Uh, my day job is spinning plates and hoping they don't crash on the ground. <laughs> um, I'm a freelancer with Marvel. Um, you know, I I I have I have a plate with them that I keep spinning. Um, I work on special projects for Marvel, whether it's magazines or art books, coffee table art books, or a bunch of weird research stuff that nobody ever hears about, but that are still needing to get done. I also work with Tashin, who is an art book publisher, and I'm working on a, a book on Stan Lee with them right now. Um, and uh, I run my website and keep that going. I'm going to be doing a lot more of that in the next year. Um, and I also have a sort of a side business selling stuff on, on eBay. Um, and I've, I've got a lot of that junk that's built up over the last few years that I haven't <laughs> been able to, haven't been able to sell. Uh, so I'm getting into that. And I also do some, some of my own writing projects that I'm hoping to get off the ground soon. So, okay. between all that, I'm surprised I have time to even talk to you right now, Adam. We're very appreciative, <laughs> appreciative of it. Um, he asked a question that you kind of addressed already, which was, uh, do you still collect one of every masterwork, including Back to Press? I do, yes. I do. Uh, what is the funniest thing you've read on the, uh, ma- on the Marvel Masterworks message boards? The funniest? Man, the board, this is like our 15th anniversary, so there's been a lot of funny things. Oh gosh! Uh, <laughs> can we come back to that? Because that that will take some time to think up think up the funniest. Absolutely, we can come back. 
Um, what title? This is still from Comics Ate My Brain, in case you were wondering. Uh, what title or issue or story arc that hasn't been masterworked do you most want to see in the masterworks? Um, that's a good question. Um, it would probably be. Uh, I would say at this point, it would probably be Jack Kirby's Eternals from the 70s. I know it's been in the omnibus, but I'd like to see it in the Masterworks because I want to see Corey um, be able to put that together and looking really awesome. The other the other answer would, would be stuff like the 2001 stuff that Jack did in the 70s. Um, but the reason that would not be my answer is because that is sort of bound up in licensing issues that maybe beyond Marvel's control. And so we don't know if we'll see that or not, but from, from the stuff that's out there that I'd like to see probably Eternals. Cause I just, that's, that's the one of the comic books that really created my love of comics when I was six or seven years old. And that stuff just still speaks to me so greatly. So now, I, think, I think this is the last question from comics Ate my brain, which was uh, if you could be a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Oh, Jesus. Um, I would be the tree that does not get chopped down to to be a masterworks paper. <laughs> Whichever tree that is, I don't know. But, uh... Uh, we have a question from uh, Sivrag, who asks: With all of the interest in the epics and omnis, is there any chance you might consider doing a subsite showca- showcasing these lines with the covers and info we've come to take for granted with the masterworks line? Would it be possible to see this for the MPC, Essentials, and Complete Collections, and Proto-Epics as well? Absolutely. Uh, The only reason that hasn't been done by now is just time and money. Um, I I haven't had the time to to focus on everything that needs to be done to do that and to do it right. And then I also haven't had the the money to pay a a programmer to help do that. But uh, 2016 is the year that that... Um, is is most likely to happen. <laughs> In fact, um, I'm I'm doing some work on it this month, and I hope I hope that the results that um, that uh, this questioner is is looking for will, will come out very soon. So, die uh, thy leather asks. How, well, he asked a question that you kind of answered, which was how and when did the masterworks board get started? But he also asked how has it changed over the years? Man, that's a good question. Um, when it first started, uh, it was just the Marvel Masterworks forum. That was it. Um, and then, uh, to make a very long story short, I added a DC forum uh, because a lot of the DC people at the DC uh, official DC boards were disenchanted with the direction those boards were going in, and they flocked over to my board. And then the third forum we started was uh, sort of an off-topic forum that had its own saga <laughs> attached to it. And um, you know, I think we got. I think I think by the late by 2006 or seven, there were like 2,000 posters, and, and a lot of those were very active. And it was a lot to stay on top of. I was spending a lot of my time um, focused on the forum and, and modding it. I was on it all the time. And then once my uh, responsibilities with Marvel started to increase, um, I've put less and less time in over, over the years on the boards themselves. Um, it's just a constraint 
of my, my available time. And uh, so that's one thing is my presence hasn't been as, 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 as obvious over the last few years. But, um, you know, I'm hoping to get more in the mix uh, as the year goes on and I get this next stage of the website developed. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I think, I think uh, you know, the people have grown with the forum as well. Um, when the forum started, a lot of the stuff we take for granted now was a total fantasy back then. Just the idea that there would be 230 masterworks. <laughs> uh, that, that would, if you just, nobody would have dreamed that that would be the number uh, by 2015. And yet here we are. Uh, and I think people's expectations have changed greatly. People's, uh, you know, people's tastes and uh, have changed greatly over that time. And I think you see that reflected in a lot of the commentary um, compared to the days when we were ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, question from uh, McQueen5150. Uh, what's your favorite Masterwork volume? Favorite Masterworks volume? Probably have to be something with Jack Kirby. Um, and that would probably have to be... Uh, all things considered, it would have to be a Fantastic Four volume. And so it would have to be Fantastic Four volume five. Because that's, that's, that is the, the, the run that changed everything for Marvel in the Marvel age of comics, where everything just sort of matured in a very short period of time. You have Jack's, uh, Jack and Joe Sennett coming together, Joe Sennett inking Jack, Jack's work for the first time. Um, on a regular basis and you have the storytelling getting super super tight with um, everything coming together with the broader universe of the Fantastic Four the Inhumans were introduced um, the uh, Galactus trilogy uh, that, that that's as good as Marvel Age comics get and uh, and especially since Corey tackled the restoration on those books once and for all they look fantastic and so that's probably the best single masterworks if i had to race out of a burning house <laughs> it would probably be that one with an honorable mention to um uncanny x-men volume uh, four which would be the last uh leg of the burn claremont run mm. so that that would be that would be number two i think Okay. Uh, question from Dave Tone. Uh, it's do you have any do you have advice for new or newer Marvel Masterworks collectors? How about those who would like to expand their collections but maybe have a more limited budget, so pricey out of print volumes would be off limits? Yes, I would advice to new Masterworks fans would be this. Um, this is assuming they don't have any books <laughs> or have very few books. Find a way to fall in love with the omnibus and the epic collections <laughs> because, uh, because <clears throat> assembling a full collection of masterworks assuming that's what you want to do it's going to be very difficult and very uh, expensive because a lot of these masterworks are very have been out of print for a while and it might be hard to get a hold of them although to be fair some of the ones that are out of print are actually still very affordable um uh, on a case-by-case basis, you know, some of them can be very cheap. Some of them can be otherworldly expensive. Um, 
questions that uh, David Gabriel, you know, brainstormed are pretty awesome. The the classic books are using the same restoration that Corey has originally done for the Masterworks, and uh, likewise with the Omnibus. So if you get those books, you can pretty quickly get up to speed with your collection, and then hope down the line of if you really do love Masterworks more than those other books, that they reprint some of these other uh, collections that are out of print. Okay. So, just get. If my advice would be to just uh, just mix and match with other lines, and that's the road to happiness for a Masterworks collector at this point. Unless you have you know obsessive compulsive and you can't let yourself cross the lines. Right. And if you're wealthy, then no problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go buy them all up on the back market. Have, have fun with that. Uh, another question from Dave Tone, which is, what is or what are your top five favorite lines in the Marvel Masterworks line? Okay, um, top five favorite lines. Uh, so we'll have to go with Fantastic Four, simply because of uh, 100-plus issues of Lee and Kirby. Then we'll also have to go with Amazing Spider-Man, because of um, the Lee Ditko period, and then the Ramita period, which followed which is just some great comics. And, um, of course, Spider-Man is the character you sort of have to know as the flagship character of Marvel. Um, a personal favorite as a kid, I loved Captain Marvel. Um, I loved the Jim Starlin era of Captain Marvel, and I it's one of the comics that I read in my most formative years as a comic nerd. And so that entire run will soon be collected in six volumes and that's another thing going back to what I was talking about before about our wildest dreams who who on earth in 2000 would have thought that the whole Captain Marvel run would be collected in six hardcover <laughs> volumes so that's crazy and, and it's so crazy I love it so Captain Marvel um uh, bu- 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 Uncanny X-Men easy that's in my top five um, and if I can cheat, how about I include all the X-Men? <laughs> <in one laughs> time. And then, uh, okay, and then I guess number five would be Thor because I'm a Jack Kirby nut. And so uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did a lot of great work on Thor over the years. And all that looks better than ever in Masterworks. So those would be my five lines. Okay. Uh, we've got a bunch of questions from I Am Brooke. Uh, the first question is, uh, now that the Masterworks have reached the 70s and 80s, what are your top three desired bronze and modern age lines to start? Hi, I am Brooke. Um, my top three new lines to start. Um, well, I said Eternals before. Uh, so I'd probably, I'd probably, let's use Eternals as sort of a uh, catch-all for mid-70s Jack Kirby. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's, that's one sort of line, and that would include Machine Man and uh, Black Panther and uh, Devil Dinosaur and stuff like that. Um, number two, let's see. Number two, new line. I'd love to see the monster stuff sort of kicked off, and I think uh, the best way to do that would be the 69-70 anthologies, which would be... Um, Tower of Shadows and Chamber of Darkness. I think those would be really cool to see. Um, and I hope those come out sometime soon. And uh, and I guess number three would be, uh, and he asked for Bronze Age, right? 
Bronze slash modern age. Okay, so I can't go back and say uh, Two Gun Kid because that's early 60s. (laughs) Um, So let's go with... We started easy. <laughs> we did. We did. Um, this is uh, this is tough. I don't know. How about something like? Uh, I don't think the the women of Marvel have had their fair share, fair, fair shake. So uh, we've got Spider, we've got Spider Woman, and we've got Ms. Marvel. So how about uh, this is going to drive people nuts? How about uh, how about uh, Tigra and the cat? <laughs> And the reason I say that is because I'm a huge Hellcat fan. And Hellcat is uh, technically not Antigra in the cat, but her costume is. And so we got to get those comics in Masterworks so that Hellcat can sort of get greater visibility. So those would be my three. <laughs> okay. Uh, another question from I Am Brooke, which is, are there titles that you'd like to see fast-tracked, or, or are you satisfied with the current release schedule? I'm pretty satisfied. I'm pretty satisfied because I think, you know, the idea of fast-tracking books used to be a pretty uh, buzzworthy topic. But now I think pretty much we're in fast-track mode with most of the lines. I think we see annual or pretty much annual slots reserved for Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, for Thor. uh, And, uh, you know, these books are coming out at a very regular pace. Um, So I don't think there's really anything... out there that I would want fast-tracked other than for Corey to sort of stick to his guns on his, his personal policy of wanting to finish up lines that are started. So I'd like to see books like Luke Cage and Kazar sort of come out with their, their second and third volumes sooner than I would see other new, new lines started, if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. All right. Um, the, another question from I am Brooke. The Golden Age timely comics laid the foundation for the Marvel Age. How do you feel about completing those titles in Masterworks format? Oh, I would love that. I, and, you know, my personal feelings uh, are that I would love them. I would buy them all. My personal feelings, if I if I was running Marvel, was that I would, I would put them all out. I would start them back up. I would find a way to make them um, viable because I think that that's part of Marvel's legacy to the world and to comics history is those comics. Those are seminal comics. They're very important. And also because getting all of them back in print in Masterworks is, is sort of kind of achievable. Um, I think we're about halfway through the whole canon of superhero stuff already. And so I would love to see those come back. Same with Atlas Era. Um, I love those volumes so much. The problem, it, it, it comes down to money. You know, the, They just don't sell as well as the contemporary books do. And they also cost more to make. And so that's the kind of uh, economic calculation that is hard to uh, argue against <clears throat> and is also going to be the challenge in getting the line started back up. But if it was up to me, yeah, I would work overtime and weekends <laughs> to, to make that happen. So yeah, I love those books. Uh, I think well, I think there's still a few more questions from Ryan Brooke because he's very prolific. Um, what do you see as the future of non-superhero volumes? Are there any genre titles that you'd like to see, and do you think there will ever be enough support to publish more genre titles? Well, I think that 
goes back to what we just talked about. Most yeah. of the genre stuff is going to be found in um, <clears throat> the Golden Age and the Atlas. And so that's sort of the question is kind of moot until those get revved back up. If he's including stuff like Sergeant Fury and Captain Savage and stuff like that as genre and, and the cowboy stuff, then then there's slightly more hope because those there is some Marvel Age representation for those. Um, I think you will definitely see more Sergeant Fury in the years to come. Uh, I have my fingers crossed that we'll you know see Captain Savage at one point. Um, I'm less I'm less enthusiastic about the possibilities for the Patsy Walker and Millie the Model personally. I think you could squeeze a couple really good masterworks out of those genres, <clears throat> but they don't have broad support in the masterworks fan base. So when you're putting that, those out in the library of Masterworks, you're, you really are issuing a challenge to your to your consumer base at that point. Hmm. And I just don't think Masterworks is ready for that. <laughs> but um, but I would buy them, and I would encourage others to buy them. <clears throat> Excuse me, am I getting a cough here? Um, so you might see that stuff actually in Omnibus, or you might see it <clears throat> in Epic Collection before you see it in Masterworks. Okay. Now, you've kind of referenced this, but we'll come back to it. What licensed material would you most like to see receive the Masterworks treatment? Okay, yeah, 2001 would be number one. There's only eight issues, but um, there's eight issues in that mega-sized treasury. <clears throat> but it's it's Jack Kirby at his most crazy in the 70s, and I love it. And, uh, of course, I have all the original comic books but I want to see it looking killer in Masterworks. Um, I'd also love to see Rom. I think... Uh, I think that's the popular favorite, right? Rom, Rom is the popular favorite, I think. Micronauts might challenge it, but Rom, I think, is probably number one. Um, Rom, <clears throat> Rom was not only great comics, but Rom was a character that other creators really enjoyed using. And so you see him pop up in other titles like Marvel 2-in-1 and Power Man and Iron Fist and other series. And so it would be great to get ROM squared away so that we don't face any issues when reprinting those in the future. So yeah, ROM definitely. Micronauts, I was a huge Micronauts fan as a kid. Um, I actually had a lot of those original issues bound. And I think uh, I think most of the Micronauts run is really, really good comic books. And would love to see those masterworked or reprinted in any way. Um, so probably between Rom and Micronauts and 2001, that's my that's my list. Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu would have been on, but thank 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 the comic gods that is coming next year. So <clears throat> this year. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's this year now. <laughs> next year is this year. Don't give people heart attacks. I know, I know. <laughs> They'll think you know something. That's right. <laughs> um, question from Electric Peter Torque. He asks, are the forums a good representation of the masterwork slash high-end reprint buying fan base? And does Marvel pay attention to what posters request and, in some part, base their releases on what they see people want? Um, those are three questions. <laughs> it's and a big one. EPT to ask a very long question that has a very, a very long and thoughtful question. He either asks really long, thoughtful questions or very short, irreverent ones. So <laughs> to answer the long, thoughtful one... Um, Yes, Marvel listens. Marvel absolutely listens. Um, they don't just listen to me. They, you know, they they do read the boards, 
Corey reads the boards. I know David reads the boards. Um, they have gotten inspiration directly from the boards before. Um, and so that will, you know, continue to be the case. Um, as far as, uh, uh, what was the first part of the question again? Uh, well, are, is the forum a good representation of the... Yeah, I would print? say it is. I, I would say that it is as much as any board can be. But I still think it's important to realize that there is a, there is a healthy enough segment of, of collected editions buyers that have absolutely no connection with internet fandom at all. And um, they're just normal, average people that uh, buy books at bookstores or Amazon or their local comic book store. And the most they talk about these books is maybe with the guy or gal on the other side of the, the, the counter that's selling them a book. They don't read stuff online. They don't, they don't talk to fellow fans. Um, and there are those people out there, and I, I sure wish a lot of those people would engage on our boards because they'd have a lot to learn. But, you know, there's people that they're comfortable with that. That's more power to them, you know. Um, so those people spend their dollars too. And so money comes to Marvel from a variety of different ways, not just the high-level, highly educated uh, on comics type of folks that come to my boards. And so they, Marvel has to listen to those people too. Mm-hmm. So. Dave Tone jumps in with another question, which is, uh, what are the odds that we could get a box set of, say, Amazing Spider-Man Masterworks Volume 1 to 10 or another line 1 to 10? Dude, I would love that. Um, in fact, I think I actually... Have talked with Marvel about that. Um, that would be wonderful. Yeah, and you know, the great thing about a line like Spider-Man is Spider-Man is the iconic character for Marvel. Um, Marvel's you know 50, 60 year history now um, <clears throat> as the you know sort of top dog in comics. But also, a lot of those volumes are out of print now, and you, you just can't get hold of them uh, except through. You know, spending way more than cover price. So yeah, a box set of those books would be a killer. It would be wonderful. Um, I don't know how likely that is. I think I think what we've seen from these box sets, which are still kind of new, is sort of embracing um, the events with Civil War and with Secret Wars, and um, and I think the rumor. I think I've heard a rumor of another one coming that will be similarly sort of uh, have a similar context. Um, and so right now all we've seen is the first Masterworks box set, which, um, which was to celebrate the 75th anniversary of Marvel by reprinting, you know, the top 10 lines in Masterworks, the original stories. I, I had talked with David a while ago about doing another 10 number ones, which would be, you know, the first Submariner, the first Nick Fury, the first Captain Marvel and all that to sort of complement um, this this box set. So, you know, there's a lot of different angles it can take. But yeah, I think the idea of a, a Spider-Man box set and a Fantastic Four box set, just to name two, is a real winner. And so, uh, we'll see. Uh, Dave Tone asks, what kind of Marvel Masterworks do you enjoy reading the most? The ones that restore and reprint issues and stories that you've read before or ones that restore and reprint issues that you haven't read before? That's a great question. Um, uh I guess it would be a little of both. Um, that's the thing about Masterworks is, you know, <laughs> it's, 
it scratches so many different itches. You know, growing up, uh, of course, you read the comics that you read, and they made indelible imprints in your pop culture brain, and uh, and you want to experience those again. And what a great way to do it through Masterworks, a nice, luxurious hardcover book with the art looking better than ever. Um, and you don't have to, like, have your mom hassling you about leaving your comics on the floor, you know? <laughs> you, can, you have them nice and neatly stacked on the shelf. Um, but at the same time, uh, when I was a kid, I also remember the reason I coveted these books, and these kinds of collections in the first place, was to read the comics that I could never read, you know, before. I, I remember being an X-Men fan. That was my first real favorite series that I embraced uh, uh, that was sort of an ongoing series throughout my, my original phase of fandom and wanting desperately to read X-Men number 94, um, which was the first um, regular issue of Claremont's run. Um, but X-Men 94 was just crazy. It was like, I think it was like a hundred dollars, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it cost, it would have cost you a hundred dollars to buy that back issue when I was a fan. And that was, I, I, I could never mow enough lawns to afford that. And so, um, so I would just dream about one day being able to read that comic book. And it wasn't until Masterworks that I finally was able to. And, uh, so every new Masterworks where there's stuff I haven't read is, is, is a cause for joy. You know, it's really great. So honestly, that's a cop out answer, but I'll say both. <laughs> <laughs> It's fair. No, that makes sense, though. Yeah. Um, De asks, what's the first masterwork you ever purchased or were given? Hey, I know this guy by his real name. Uh, Alex Lear. I know that guy. I don't think he'll be mad about me saying it. I, I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, Alex is a great guy. Um, Alex, the first masterworks I ever remember owning would have been, I think... It would have been the first Hulk, which would have been Volume Eight. That's when I first discovered the Masterworks. Was it wasn't immediately? It was like two or three years afterwards. I think the comic book store in my town, where I grew up in Florida, didn't didn't happen because again they were they were expensive books, and to stock them required you know uh, allocation of resources that a lot of people weren't ready to make. So I think when I was visiting a bigger out of town store that I first saw them and I was like, what, <laughs> what am I looking at? And, uh, so I, I think it was the Hulk. I think I have a vivid memory of seeing the Hulk. All right. Shotzi has a, a one more question, which was, uh, now that the proverbial curtain has been pulled back and you can see how the magic works, how does seeing Marvel work behind the scenes affect how you read or perceive comic books? Oh, it's, I don't think it's controversial at all to say that it has affected it greatly. Um, you know, I'm not. I, I'm not going to get into all the details or anything. But you know, once once something that you love as a child uh, and and enjoy as an adult as like a hobby or you know something like that becomes a job, it has to change. You know that it just is human nature. And um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's changed in that I'm a little bit more jaded about a lot of things I'm a little bit more experienced my, my level of knowledge about 
things is far more mature than it used to be. When I say mature, I don't mean grown up. I just mean <laughs> it's it, it has advanced from a level of ignorance to a level of uh, I have a pretty firm grip on how things work. <clears throat> and um, you know, and and that manifests in good ways and bad ways. You know, it's just like any job. Sometimes will you know there's good days and bad days sometimes. Uh, but but as far as the masterworks. I still get excited when I talk with, like, say, when I'm talking with Corey about maybe what's going to be on the schedule for next year or whatever, and we're throwing out ideas, and, like, let's say we're talking about a particular book, and I feel like I'm lobbying for this book. It's exciting, because I know that, I know that one day this book might come out, and what, what, how much fun will that be? And if it doesn't come out, how bummed will I be, you know? (laughs) And so, yeah, I still get excited about this, because... Comics still mean a lot to me. I, I still enjoy reading them. I still enjoy working in them. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I will always love, nothing will change my basis, my, the basis of my love for comics, which is just, it's just so exciting and fun to read these superhero stories. It's total escapist entertainment. And, uh, and it's just harder for me to escape the, the industry now. <laughs> but, but but the escapism part of it is still very magical for me. We're going to close out with a few questions from Stretcho. Okay. Uh, first question is, uh, what's the story behind the warehouse, quote-unquote, of archived film of original art that was found during the last decade that helped with improving early masterworks? Was it a surprise to the Marvel team? What was it doing there, and how was it eventually organized and cataloged? Man, that would be a whole other show. <laughs> and I think, I think this would be a great teaser for your interview with Corey, because he might want to get into that as well to, to the extent that, you know, we could talk about it. But, um, no, it's just no secret that, you know, comics are reproduced from, uh, or comics historically have been reproduced from what's called film and film is the negatives that comics are shot from. And you take this film and you, 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 you generate the, the printed page that, that is published and it's put in the back of trucks and circulated all over the, the, the world. And so this film has to be stored somewhere. And um, and so Marvel has stored this film in various places over the years. And uh, over time, that film has gotten very disorganized. And so there came a time when Marvel was really serious about getting uh, their collected editions out and looking better than ever. And... Uh, they, they needed to get that library organized. And so Corey uh, was tasked with that, and he recruited me. And we went to, uh, we went to uh, Sparta, Illinois, which is where uh, World Color, which was the biggest vendor of, of comics uh, printing back in the day, uh, was World Color. And that's where a lot of the, the archives were. And so we... We took a month out of our lives to, <laughs> to organize the film and what's called paper, um, which were uh, photostats of the film. And and I think the four-week job, yeah, it was four weeks, and we had originally scheduled uh, weekends off and nine to five hours, and it quickly turned into like nine to nine hours and no weekends off. <laughs> so we worked like, I think we had one day off the whole time because the job was so huge. And once we got into it, sorting through all this stuff 
was so hard and so arduous, but also kind of a thrill because we knew we were doing very important work. And, uh, and we knew that once we were done, that the masterworks and the, and the trade paperbacks would look so much better because we would have access to the very best uh, film and the very best photo stats to reproduce this material from. And so that, um, that was a, an experience of a lifetime for me and Corey. And then we, we went back the next year uh, to continue the job because it was so big and we had to continue it. And we pulled in a few other people um, whose names you might recognize from the boards. And uh, Chris Leeser was one of them. He came in to help us and uh, Wes Wong and Sheila Johnson, who are people who uh, are, whose names you'll see in the credits of Masterworks uh, as colorists. And, uh, you know, we just happened to have a knack for being able to organize this stuff, recognize it. A lot of it was unlabeled. We had to recognize it and properly sort it and archive it. Wow. And I think for all of us, we could say that it certainly is one of the great experiences of our lives, not just to be able to do that, but just the importance of what we're doing um, was pretty big. And, uh, and the results are continuing to this day. Every time I see a great sparkling, sharp piece of artwork that comes out from Marvel, I know that you know the, the, the things we did helped lead to that. And I take a lot of pride in that. So Wow. Uh, another question from Stretcho. How much of your time does this board chew up every month? Not as much as it used to. Like I said before, um, it got to the point where the board was taking up a lot of my time. And also, frankly, a lot of my a lot of my brain space, you know, um, it's not always been easy. And there have been, you know, some, some moments of great strife. And at a certain, at those times, you kind of have to walk away for a while. And I have had to do that at various times. Um, thankfully for me, I don't take things as seriously today as I did, say, 10 years ago. I, I used to get very, very passionate about things and very sometimes, you know, just you know, anxious about things. And now, uh, I don't get anxious about any, I go to bed every night and nothing about the forums lingers at all. The, the, the anxiety part of it, uh, it's just the whole, my, my attitude about it has changed. And actually I've been spending a lot more time on the forums of late and, um, and I'll see that continuing into 2016. Uh, so, not as much as it used to, but a lot more today than, say, a couple of years ago. So. so you kind of already answered this question then, but what makes up a typical month for you to keep it going? Well, you know, uh, I, I love keeping the news circulating. Uh, as long as there's stuff to talk about, the boards will always have a reason to exist. Um, I think generating new news about Masterworks and Omnibus uh, doing the interviews like I have with Corey and with David and with some of the other folks involved in comics is really is really fun. Um, the Master of Kung Fu stuff the other day, the other month, was was a great example of of, of a great interview I was able to do that that helped really excite people and really get people enthusiastic about these books. And uh, so putting that stuff together can take take a little while. Um, the, 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 the bandwidth has actually gone up and the costs associated 
with the boards have gone up. Um, it, it actually costs a lot more money than people may think. Uh, so I have to be mindful of other areas of my life which actually generate revenue. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, in my, my regular job, I enjoy when my regular job dovetails with my ability to be on the board. So when I have a project that I can sort of talk about or to, to bring out on the boards, I, I like those times because it means I can be on the boards. And I like talking with some of the guys that, you know, some of these relationships that I've made with people, I've, I've taken into the real world, you know, um, and we email or we talk or we Skype or even hang out in person. And, uh, and that means a lot to me. And so <clears throat> that takes up part of my time too, every month. And then I guess the final question, which you have addressed in some way already, but it was, how has your Marvel workload changed over the life of the Marvel Masterworks board? Well, uh, the Marvel workload has changed, uh, a lot. Uh, it ramped up greatly and then, you know, the economy has sort of taken a hit on everything and I think we're seeing <clears throat> a lot less of everything across the board, even Masterworks. <clears throat> I think at our height we had 22 Masterworks a year and now there's like a dozen, 12 to 13. Similarly, Spotlight has had its day. We still do Spotlight stuff from time to time. These, these magazines are the equivalent of about four spotlights um, and we do we do one or two magazines a year um, I do a coffee table art book one or two of those a year um, and then various other projects so it's not as much as it was about three or four years ago which in a way I'm thankful for because it's allowed me to expand in other areas I'm working a lot more with Tasha now I did the 75th anniversary Marvel book with them and I'm working on this new Stan Lee book with them and that's a really good relationship that I've got um, and uh, and, I'm, and I'm wanting this year to really focus on some personal writing projects and I want to get my own personal blog started and, uh, and also I want to get the website uh, really spiffed up and so um, it's been a long time coming for that there's been people that have been very patient <laughs> with me about updating the website and this year I think will be the year that it finally happens so that's I hope answers your question it does absolutely well thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us today and I think uh, the, the forum will be very appreciative hopefully I hope so too and uh, thank you for everything you do with the website and for creating an amazing resource. I mean, I when I was – I can't even remember how I first found your site, but yeah, it was definitely through the info you were putting up about the Masterworks and other collections uh, as I was kind of getting into having more collections on my, on my shelf and transitioning just from having floppies to actually having the different lines. So it was definitely a big resource. So I – as on a personal level, thank you for, for your website and for your work on the spotlights. Again, I am part of your fan club. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And one thing I'd like to say to, to, to the people who sent in questions and who have been following the boards is I really appreciate everybody who, who has contributed because it's not just me doing the contributing. I mean, in fact, it's, it, I'm a pale insignificance compared to the volume of contributions that everyone in the aggregate makes. Um, everybody brings in information and, and the, the, the community that's been built sort of thrives on its own. I just try to make sure it doesn't reel out of control <laughs> and that the bills are paid on time. But I really do appreciate what everybody else has done to keep up 
the information flow and also to keep up the camaraderie. And camaraderie is really important for me mm-hmm. with this forum. And, uh, and there's way too many people to, to name, but they knew who they are. So uh, looking forward to, to talking with everybody on and off the boards going forward. So I just yeah. realized we forgot to come back to Comics 8, my brain's question of what is the funniest thing you've read on the, ma- on the message boards? <laughs> you know what? Let me, let me parlay that into an actual thread. Someone posted so – I have the memory of Stanley. I'm telling you that right now. My memory <laughs> is so poor. Um, but there was something I read like last week which had me literally LOLing. I was laughing so hard. Uh, and, uh, and I would like to go find that. And I may have even mentioned it in the thread, but I may not have. But uh, it's, I forget exactly what it was. But it made me laugh. <laughs> so that would be the answer. And I just wish I could recall what it was. So, uh, boy, what a, what a terrible answer to your question. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Now people are going to be excited to see that, that thread. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us. All right. Thanks, Adam. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.